reviewing the play. The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I'm not going to admit it. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch your hair. Good checking, guys. That's good play. Into the heat and the humidity of the summer, we did not have free agent frenzy, but we do have another first of the month date to focus on. That would be August 1st. And if all goes according to plan and continues along this path, the National Hockey League 2019-2020 season will resume. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. He's Josh. I'm Todd. How excited are you about this news? I've got a big, big circle around August 1st on the calendar. Looking forward to seeing some action. It's nice to have all this planning going on, but to have an actual date to pin that, to mark that down. We can start the countdown now of, of hoping to get that puck drop in less than a month. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited. Everybody has been waiting for this. Now there's there's still a lot of details. There's still a lot of things to go on, but we have something that we can really focus on and sink our teeth into. There is a lot of information that has been dispensed in the last couple of days. We'll try to wade through it and tell you how it impacts the officials and their protocol and how they're going to be moving forward as well. The Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes. Check them out online goteamstripes.com. They've got all your officiating equipment, some equipment we will talk about, training tools, apparel, and so much more. We appreciate you following along and subscribing to the podcast through Spotify, through Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them. Follow us on social media to get Josh. It's at Scouting the Refs to get me. It's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and on Instagram. And yes, we accept email. Hey, ref at scoutingtherefs.com. It just occurred to me, Josh, with the target of August 1st to play games, we may finally get a ruling on the Brendan Lemieux suspension too. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I can I can pretty confidently say that Brendan Lemieux <laughs> will not be playing on August 1st. <laughs> so he's the only one that's losing in this whole deal, isn't it? Oh man, that poor guy. He's had to wait for so long and now he's going to get stuck on the sidelines. So there's, as mentioned, there is a lot of information to go through. It's a 47-page document that the league, the Players Association have have put together. And first off, I think, Josh, we got to say, good for them to do all this work because the, the preparation and detail they have gone into is extraordinary. It's It really is phenomenal. You know, it takes a lot of planning. It's a lot of thought, a lot of work to try to come up with every possible scenario and how you're going to address it. And there's a lot of moving parts here. You know, you think of 24 teams, the officials, all the media, the coverage, the personnel. It's a lot to wrap up. It's a lot to contain. And I think the league has done a a super job of really trying to put that all together and and put these policies and protocols in place. It's not going to be perfect. There are going to be gaps or or things that fall outside. But just to to try to encompass every concern that's going on right now and and put this actionable plan in place, I think they've done an amazing job. And, And to put it out there and share it with everyone a level of transparency from the league that is really nice to see. It looks like they have really tried to anticipate 
every question, every scenario. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different groups that are involved. So they've put them into different categories in terms of who has access to which parts of the building, who has greater access, who doesn't need as, as wide a range of, of access to, to buildings and to players and the like. But of course, because they're on the ice, because they're participating, NHL officials are considered group one in the return to play protocol, which essentially gives them the greatest access uh, uh, available. They will be able to go where they need to go. It is the other groups and people that are involved that will have access restricted to them. Correct. It's it's really the league trying to maintain that access on a, an absolute necessity basis. Your, your group one, guys, it's the players, it's the club personnel, on-ice officials, the, the off-ice officials who will be interacting with the players, and then league staff, medical staff, things like that. So your group one is really the hands-on people. And like you said, they're the ones who need to be able to go everywhere. The other groups, when you start to get to some... Yeah, food servers, bartenders, people at the hotel, people at the arena, even media members, they're going to have more restricted access. They're not going to have that face to face with those group one individuals. So it's a it's a lower level there. But even the, you know, the bucketing and figuring out how to manage this, I think that you know the league has done a phenomenal job in, in really grouping it and putting those bands and those those levels in place to try to manage this really overwhelming process. It's something else to to see. Now, on ice officials will not be required to wear masks during games, as as I've read through. But it occurs to me that this might be an opportunity. Bauer, of course, makers of hockey equipment, shifted during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the and the the rush to try to find safety equipment to making larger face shields for healthcare workers and and others that required them. This doesn't press right up against your nose the way a traditional shield does for uh, for hockey players or officials that wear them on their helmets. Maybe this would be an idea to a time to to try something like that. I, I wouldn't say it's out of the question. I mean, if if the league and their medical staff feels that there's a benefit for wearing a, a, a full face shield for an official or these oversized face shields that that Bauer has been shipping around, I would think it'd have to be considered. You don't you're not going to restrict breathing the way you would with a traditional mask. So. It's really going to be something that I would imagine the league is going to look at and consider and, and see if there really is a significant impact or if it's if it's such that the, the benefits that that mask offers don't necessarily apply to the game on the ice and, and therefore it's it's not something that they'd want to employ. But, you know, you'd have to think that additional physical barrier there between the officials and, and players, it couldn't hurt, especially when you mm-hmm. think of those, those times when you're in close quarters on, on a face-off, breaking up a scrum to just have that physical barrier there still allows airflow on the side. So it's, it's certainly, it's not perfect, but at least that direct facial protection from what's right in front of you. I I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think it would count as a mask. So if it was something that they did want to consider, assuming both sides were on board, perhaps you're right, Todd. I I think it's worth a conversation at the, at the very least. And I can see one of the, one of the referees or one of the linesmen who is potentially going to be working at least asking the question and having that discussion. And maybe you got to work up a, a a prototype, a mock-up to sort of see what it's going to look like and see if it's going to be feasible. But I think it's, it's certainly worth the discussion for the 20 linesmen and 20 refs that will be working. Because as we now know, the list has been cut down to the playoff officials. That's correct. So we've got 34, and 34 during the regular season the playoffs we see that number cut and it looks like the league has already made those cuts when it comes to the assignments for the host cities for the playoff tournament so we'll have 10 referees 10 linesmen in each one and that will be the crew while they remain in those 
two separate hub cities until they come together for the conference finals and Stanley Cup final. There will be no travel between cities. So once you're in one of the host cities, you will remain there. And this could be a pretty busy schedule, at least in the early going for referees and linesmen, because we could be looking at three games a day. We will. From what I'm hearing, that's that's exactly what the plan is. And you think to the Olympics and IIHF tournaments and things like that of how they work it. And I'm expecting to see the same type of setup. So if you've got three games in a day, that means you've got three crews. So six referees are working that day. Six linesmen are working that day. That gives you four and four for your standby officials for each one of those games. So what one one ref, one linesman get the whole day off. They're not working. They're not on standby. <laughs> they get to hang out. And then you do the rotation through. So you'll probably see guys work two days on one day off as they rotate through the officials for each series in that building. It, it'll be busy, but it won't be unprecedented. And when you think of the time not spent traveling or, you know, checking in, checking out, doing all the stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis during a a typical Stanley Cup playoff for the officials. Uh, It's probably going to be a little bit lighter of a load for them. It's, it's might be more work, but it's going to be less travel, less time spent away from the rink and, and hopefully, you know, a pretty comfortable spot for everybody involved. It's going to be interesting because normally officials fly commercial, same airlines that you and I do when we have to travel, but the league is requesting that they be very strict and very, very uh, methodical in their hygiene leading up to travel, as well as have testing in advance. That's right. Yeah, there's there's no charter planes for NHL officials. They all travel separately. And, <laughs> you know, you, hard to believe. You, you, I just picture the <laughs> guy picking them up at the airport, holding up the sign for them, and you just hope he's a fan of officiating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, you know what the sign would say. I know what the sign's going to say. <laughs> hey, ref. <laughs> well, as far as commercial flight goes, you know, they, they do have some some strict guidelines. They've got to get tested leading up to their trip. They've got to get tested when they land and, and coming into the, the secure zone. And they're self-quarantining for four days when they get there. So, you know, it's it's not your typical travel. It's It's really a lengthy process just because of the precautions that are in place and the number of tests that the league's requiring. You've got three tests in the week before you leave. You've got tests when you arrive. And, and then there's daily testing going on once they're in the secure zone. So, you know, it's a lot from a, a medical standpoint and just making sure that everybody is safe. It's, it's, you know, a pretty Herculean effort here from the league just to manage that across all the players, officials, staff members, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, Pretty, uh, pretty involved when it comes to the officials and what they need to do and what precautions they need to take. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast powered by Team Stripes. Check them out online. Go teamstripes.com for apparel, training tools, equipment, whatever you need. It's goteamstripes.com. So that is how the procedure will work to get referees and linesmen ready to head to the host cities. And as we find out, it appears that there is not going to be a formal training camp for these officials, as there usually is with a typical regular season. But with them being on site a little bit early, you would hope that they would be able to get on the ice and and have some conversations, maybe do a little work while the teams are practicing. We'd have to figure there's going to be dedicated officiating managers in each city as well. We typically see them assigned to each playoff series and they stay with the series for the duration uh, of that matchup. So we'll have those guys split up again between the two cities. And, And I'm thinking that they'll be spending time with the officials Typically, they do it on a crew basis before the game just to catch up on what's been going on in the series. Here, they'll have the opportunity with, you know, multiple officiating managers on site to really pull the whole team together. All 20 guys can be in a room. They can talk about what they're seeing. They can talk about the standard. So even if you don't have that formal training camp, 
I'm looking at the coaching opportunities that this may present from an officiating standpoint. And just to be able to pull all the guys working all these series in the city in the same room together and say, hey, this is where we need to tighten up across the board. I think it's a great opportunity. I, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's something that we, we may see the benefits of when it comes to consistency and calls on the ice. I'm not sure that we understand how collaborative officiating is in terms of how not just a crew works together on the ice, but when you gather in a in a group, whether it's for a camp, training camp, or or some other officiating seminar, there there is a collaborative discussion and dynamic that's that takes place. Well, the, the discussion's a big part of it. You know, everybody's got their own standard, and we're all trying we're all trying to work towards the same standard, but. There's flavors to it. Every play is different. Everybody's coming at it from a different perspective. And I think those discussions on, you know, was this a trip? Well, what's my thought on it? What's his thought on it? What's what's everybody in the room thinking? Do we agree on why this was or wasn't the right call to be made? And, you know, you're not necessarily picking those plays apart, but you're having that active discussion to try to level set and understand. And that type of thing is is what kind of balances everybody out. It, it gives you the the opening to understand different perspectives and different interpretations that we see it from teams and, and media on interpreting calls, and it, it happens among officials, too, when you're just trying to nail down what that standard is and where the line is. So those kinds of discussions and, and, and that, that type of interaction definitely helps in really solidifying collectively across everyone where the line is, what type of penalty this should be, what, what should be called in a certain situation. Now, there, there is a lot of detail to go through. As mentioned, the document is 47 pages. A lot of it is focused on the players, and understandably so, but there are some specifics in terms of what they can and cannot do during this time. There is no sharing of water bottles. There is no sharing of towels. I noticed that specified for players. I have to assume that that's going to be the same for officials as well. I would think so. I'm, I'm not expecting them to be sharing stuff as it is. But, you know, I, when you watch closely with the water bottles coming out from the penalty box attendant during the stoppages in play, uh, I think we'll we'll now just have to make sure the right bottle goes to the right guy. And they're they're going to use dividers on the benches. The benches are going to be disinfected even between periods. It's going to be that meticulous. So it's just designating a space for for this type of stuff, which a lot of referees and linesmen do already. And I know in some leagues they are even prohibited already from sharing bottles like you can't grab the bottle on the back of a net and and take a drink you know it's it's really funny that you say that Todd I was I was watching one of the historic games from the 90s the other day and saw uh, I can't remember which official it was oh Rob Schick saw Rob Schick skate around and pull the goalie's water bottle off take a drink put it back in and it just clicked in my head how unheard of that would be even in today's NHL that you just don't see that happening so I think they're they're well used to that but it was it, it was funny that it hit me then and certainly something you wouldn't want to allow now. I do think, though, when it comes to officials and, and keeping that distance and separation, the whole point will be to try to keep as much room as possible. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we'll see the refs stop short of the bench when they're talking to the coach. Maybe they won't come all the way up to the bench and lean over. Maybe it's, it's you know, pulling back a little bit more. But for the most part, I think they have, at least during stoppages in play, some ability to remain socially distanced, even on the ice. You know, Kerry Fraser has the rep for the best hair, but Rob Schick wasn't bad, and he had a good stash at times, too. <laughs> he had a killer stash. I think this was 91-92, so yes, it was <laughs> It was in his heyday. Yeah, very good. Okay, now players will be isolated in their own rooms, and teams will be have, have designated areas in hotels. Does this mean refs and linesmen get their own rooms, too? They Is are, that standard procedure? They are getting their own rooms, yes. They are, they are solo. There's no roommates on this trip. 
these guys will get their own rooms. And I'm thinking they're probably going to get the better part of the floor. If you've got 20 officials plus officiating managers, they think they might have the officiating floor all to themselves. So uh, they will be rooming solo for this one. And and it's, it's pretty much typical what we see with the officials. They all travel separately as it is. So they're used to spending time on the road by themselves. It's funny when you look at this from a player standpoint, how much is different. And from an officiating standpoint, you're cutting down on the travel, but you're still going to a hotel, staying there by yourself, working the game, going back to the hotel room. You know what? <laughs> it might be a little more comfortable than we think. It's very, uh, it's very routine. Okay, there's a couple other questions that I have to get to because, again, there are questions that arise to me as I'm reading the document and being asked. The games will start three a day in each of the host cities. It'll be a combination of play-in games and a, a tournament to determine seeding. Will the play-in games, because they're not the playoffs... Will the play-in games have the regular season overtime procedure or will they use a playoff overtime procedure where you could play for multiple periods until a winner is decided by a goal? So this one's actually interesting because you've, you've got the games that are not for the play-in, the, the round-robin tournament, which is regular season rules. But the yeah. any that have playoff implications, including the playoff games, will be played under playoff overtime rules. So we will see overtime games extended as long as necessary in those play-in rounds to see who makes it into the first round of the playoffs. So there won't be a five-minute three-on-three? There will not be. We will see full full 20-minute overtimes, five-on-five, as as per our typical playoff procedures. So it'll be it'll be fun. You know, we get some more overtime. Overtime is always exciting, and, and the league has somehow found ways to guarantee even more overtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if, if, if it's playoff or play in over time, I don't think anyone's going to object, although it, it would be intriguing to see a three on three overtime and then perhaps even a, a shootout. But of course, all the purists would be freaking out at that point, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, I, I guess so. I, you know, the, the value of the games and, and playoff play ins, which just sounds crazy to me, but mm-hmm. are effectively playoff games. So it makes a lot of sense to, to go that route. And at least we've seen the last of the regulation overtime win component of the NHL. Okay. All right. I'll I'll give you that one. Although we still need to determine how those statistics are going to be compiled and and used, but that's, that's a a question for another day. The one other item that is not specifically dealt with, but is a glorious opportunity. Teams are required to bring one social media or content creation person to be part of the bubble for the duration. I don't suppose we're going to get lucky enough that the officials are going to have a social media or content creator as part of their uh, their contingent. No, it would be wonderful if they would. This would be the time. Let's do it. Oh, man, I I think it would be phenomenal if they could do that just to have that presence and and that ability to communicate and and provide some more information out there. So I I think if we can sneak somebody in on behalf of the officials, maybe just maybe this is the door. (laughs) This is the opening we need to get that done. It, it is an opportunity because it would it would be able to tap into the what what life is like inside this this secure zone as it's being called how the day-to-day routines are going you'd have a greater insight into the officials and how they prepare how they get ready and 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 how they work through the through the games what it's like afterwards the discussions that take place the the education the learning aspect of it as well I, I do think it's an opportunity it's it's definitely a unique situation you know we've seen Mike Lego when he was with the league documenting his trip to 
to the Olympics years back. And I, I know they've, they've tried to find that opportunity to share some of what happens behind the scenes in those big moments or the big tournaments and things like that. And this is certainly an unprecedented one. And it would be, it would be really cool to just see what life is like for the officials back there. And, and that, that social media content creator would be all over it. Well, we'll, we've put the idea out there and hopefully someone at at the league office sees it and and they can convince it. Maybe maybe it's a maybe maybe we have to convince one of the guys inside the bubble to to do it but do it anonymously. Hmm. Which which well, if we can twist some arms here Todd, which which do you want, Toronto or Edmonton? We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll I, it divide really and doesn't conquer. matter. I think <laughs> I think we're going to be so so starved for for more content that I I don't think it matters where it comes from. I I really think that it, this would be a I think it could be a fun thing. Maybe 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 you and I will just have to start an anonymous Twitter account and say it's from the site. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or we'll uh, I'll sneak across the border. One of us will go to each one of those cities and we'll sure. uh, we'll try to work our way in and and see if we can become what is it? Phase four zone safety clearance. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we'd be wrestled to the ground pretty quickly if before uh, something like that this happens. This is true, and, and that the, is not appropriate social distancing. No, so no, it is is not. So we we won't do that. But we can we can hope for for something like that. And what we are hopeful and and focused on though, August first. That's the date. I'm I'm really excited now. The the percentage of, of hopeful excitement, I think, has got to be pretty close to 100 now for both of us, doesn't it? I, I'd say so. I, I think right now I'm it, it's full steam ahead. There's always the concern that, that something else could happen that could derail the plans. But you, we see what the league's got in place, and it looks like everything's moving forward towards that direction. The, the plan is as protective and as safe as it can possibly be. Of course, we've got human beings, we've got a pandemic going on, and there's only so many variables that you can control. But I think, Todd, right now, it's it's all systems go. And, and let's just hope that we don't have any big obstacles or, or roadblocks on the way towards that August 1st launch date. Follow Josh on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Scouting the Refs. I'm at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and on Instagram. We're focused on August 1st, but uh, this time next week, training camps hopefully will be open and we'll have even more to talk about. I can't wait. The Scouting the Refs podcast is powered by Team Stripes, your source for officiating equipment, training tools, apparel, and more. Check it out, goteamstripes.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Scouting the Refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Scouting the Refs, Instagram at Scouting the Refs, and visit scoutingtherefs.com.